2 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 10. If you found it, say amen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm going to be very honest with you folks. I am preaching with a burden tonight. And I debated on whether or not to, to bring this to you tonight because I'm preaching something maybe almost exactly the same Sunday morning. The reason I'm giving it to you tonight is I'm hoping that between now and Sunday, that you'll pray that God will help you share this burden with me so that when I I mean let's be honest y'all are here on Wednesday night most people need it aren't and so I'm going to pray that you'll help get under the yoke of this message with me from now till Sunday that all of us together will pray it through and that soul that God's reaching for those souls that he's reaching for will be touched by the word of God. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you, God, because you speak through your word and spirit to hearts. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, to help me to teach tonight and to preach the burden that you put on my heart. I pray, God, that you would let us all get under the burden of what you're trying to speak. And God, that we'll yoke ourselves together with your spirit so you can have your way in our lives so that we, God, can be the manner of persons we ought to be. Lord, I pray, anoint me to preach in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated tonight. It's important to remember that all the 12 apostles were Jewish descent. They had been raised in the schools of the Hebrews. They were well versed in the doctrines and themes of the Old Testament. But these 12 Jewish men had found the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, and they were born again according to Acts 2.38. These men were taught by Jesus before and after his resurrection. Luke 1 and 2 
says, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Luke, speaking of the apostles, said that they were eyewitnesses from the very beginning and ministers of the word, that they had seen Jesus. In Acts 1, 2, and 3, it talks about their dealings with the resurrected Messiah. And it says, until the day in which he, Jesus, was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs being seen of them, 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. After his resurrection, he spends 40 days with them, teaching them the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Every one of the 12 disciples were in the upper room. Acts 1, 13 and 14, and when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. All these 12, Luke in Acts takes special care to make sure that he mentions that all of the disciples were in the upper room. Making sure that his readers understood that they were trained by the Messiah in the doctrines and practices of the New Testament church. They had Jewish sensibilities and backgrounds but were thoroughly trained by Jesus to preach and teach the gospel and the doctrines of the Christian church. You cannot truly understand the practices and doctrines of the church unless you understand that the basis of their theology came through this Jewish background. The principles of the Old Testament remain solidly embedded in Christian theology except where the New Testament clarified them. This principle informs their view of the Godhead. That's one reason why that, that you have to understand that there is no way that the disciples could conceive of Trinitarian doctrine because it was completely against the sensibilities of everything that they knew to be true by, said by God himself in the Old Testament. And so if you don't understand that their Jewish sensibilities inform and clarifies their view of God and essential doctrines, then you can't really understand the New Testament. So the term, and the reason I'm talking about that is because there is a term that we use in our text where it is the term the day of the Lord. That term appears 19 times in the Old Testament and four times in the New Testament. Our text is one of those four instances. 2 Peter 3 and 10, but the day of the Lord 
will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The Apostle Peter's Jewish Old Testament understanding provided the basis for what he meant when teaching about the day of the Lord. Again, 19 references to this in the Old Testament. W.J. Beecher wrote, quote, All doctrines in regard to the millennium, the second coming of Christ, and the final judgment depend greatly on the passages in the New Testament that use the terms the day of the Lord. When you look at these day of the Lord passages, if you will, the prominent theme of every one of these prophecies is God's judgment on sin. The Apostle Peter speaks of the day of the Lord as the final judgment of God, of God upon sin and sinner. He uses the metaphor of the thief. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He's not going to announce the coming judgment upon the earth and man mankind for their sin. The day of judgment will come as a thief in the night, echoing the words of Christ. God will not say, I'm coming to judge sin tomorrow, so you have tonight to get ready. He said he's coming as a thief in the night. 2 Peter 3 and 10, again, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. No warning, no advance, no advance sound. Tomorrow it'll happen. Next week it'll happen. I remember when I was a teenager at church camps in the, in, in the, mid, in the late 1980s, Somebody wrote a book titled 88 Reasons Why God is Coming Back September the 12th of 1988. And on the first night of camp meeting, they were talking about that book. And they had, it was, they had all these reasons, 88 reasons why the Lord was coming back. I did the math. That was the second week of August. So that meant that I had a whole month to get ready. But I also knew my best chance to get ready was probably during camp, so I waited till Friday night. And it's between me and God and the cross what happened on Monday through Thursday. <laughs> he said, the Lord, that day of the Lord's judgment is coming like a thief in the night. He's coming without warning. And he said, when it happens, the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise. It appears as if it'll be some kind of a devastating explosion that will decimate the universe. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. Most people believe that that's talking about the stars and planets and moons that make up the, 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 the universe, the heavens that the elements of the heavens will melt with fervent heat. Can you imagine a judgment so terrible 
that the planets and stars and moons in the universe will melt like wax from a candle. With fervent heat, the planets, the earth, the sun, all melting away. And the earth also, it says, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The results of this judgment will be a cataclysmic event. The heavens passing away and melting. The universe disappearing in an instant, if you will. Fervent heat. The Bible said twice in the passage we read that the elements would melt with fervent heat. Something so devastating that the vast expanse of the universe will be gone in a mere matter of moments. Peter continues to tell us that this violent, burning wrath of God poured out in dramatic and devastating wrath will consume the heavens and the earth. I know it's not fun to talk about, but it's in your Bible. Peter was making sure that the church knows what the end of the wrath of God will be like. A fearsome, violent, devastating fury on creation is nothing compared to the horrors of eternal damnation in a lake of fire. For what happens in a moment in the universe melting away will be nothing compared to an eternal stay in a lake burning with fire and brimstone. This fiery judgment upon sinners who refuse to repent, who refuse to obey the gospel, this overall message is that God's wrath and judgment will be complete and devastating. It appears that the Apostle Peter is trying to establish a mood and a mindset in the hearers and the readers of his epistle. He wants them to feel the burden of God's judgment. He wants them to understand that the terrible day of the Lord is assuredly coming upon the earth. He wants their mindset to be right when he continues his message from the Lord. Heaven and hell, wrath and judgment are serious business, folks. Amen. Paul said in Hebrews 2 and 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. How shall we escape if we neglect? Brothers and sisters, there is a certain fearful looking for of judgment that's coming on this world in the center. Amen. I know it's not, I know it's not happy. I know it's not shouting preaching. But I know also that we need to hear it from time to time. Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect? In Luke 16, the rich man in hell begged for one drop of water because he was tormented in hell's flames. It was the apostle 
Matthew that said in Matthew 3 and 12 that hell was an unquenchable fire. In Matthew 8 and 12, he said that there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 10, it said the body and soul will be destroyed. In Matthew 13, it said it's a furnace of fire with wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22 called it outer darkness. Matthew 25 called it an eternal fire. Mark 9 called it three times a place where the worm dieth not and where the fire is never quenched. Luke called it a place of torment. Jude called it blackness and darkness forever. Revelation said it was a lake burning with fire and brimstone. Revelation called it a bottomless pit. And Revelation also said that there sinners will be tormented day and night forever. Amen. And Peter told the church, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. When you're not expecting it, when you're not looking for it, when you're not ready for it, in a moment in the night it can come and nobody be aware. And before you realize what's happened, it's too late. God help us to have a mindset change when it comes to how we view our lives. The day of the Lord will come, 2 Peter 3 and 10, as a thief in the night. He was calling the church to remember the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And Peter was calling the church to remember that there is a coming judgment of the Lord. Amen. Now the church lives in 2023 in what I call the Jesus is my boyfriend era. We don't like to think of a God that will pour out wrath and judgment on the earth. Now in the church age, God has his nail-scarred hands stretched out in mercy, extending hope and grace and salvation to anyone willing to obey the gospel and serve him. But when the course of this age is concluded and God folds his arms in judgment, it will be beyond anything that this universe has ever seen. It will melt with fervent heat and the elements of the cosmos, the planets, the stars, the moon, and the earth will be burned up and gone. Isaiah said that the Lord's sword will be bathed in blood. The day of the Lord hangs over time as an impending storm. We hear it rumbling in the distance, drawing ever nearer. It will most assuredly come to pass, my brothers and sisters. Amen. You all, you know, you that are members here and have been here for a while, you know how rarely I like to preach on this subject. You know I wouldn't be preaching it if I didn't feel something stirring in my spirit to have to tell somebody that there is a fearful looking for of judgment. The time is drawing to an end. And Peter is trying in verse 10 to establish this point in the mind and the heart of the hearer that God's judgment is coming. It's on its way. As a thief in the night, it'll overtake you. 
And then in the very next verse, verse number 11, he said, Sing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What things? The earth, the universe, the planets, the stars, all the creation will be dissolved. It'll be like powder dropped in a bucket of water. It'll be gone forever, never to be reconstituted. Gone, completely dismantled, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Peter says, knowing that God's wrath hangs out there like an approaching storm, he asked the question, what manner of persons ought we to be? What kind of people should we be? What kind of lives should we live knowing that the judgment of God is coming on this earth? How should we live our lives? Should we be carnal? Should we be worldly? Do we stand the chance of being selfish, sinful, prayerless, unfaithful, ungiving, bitter, vengeful, hateful, spiteful? Do we take the risk knowing that the judgment of God is coming? Do we take the risk of living a life that's less than what the Word of God calls us to be? Peter said, understanding that God's judgment is coming, what manner of persons ought we to be? What kind of Christian should I be? Knowing that at some point the universe is going to be melted like wax and the earth will be consumed and dissolved like powder. What kind of mentality should I have? What manner of persons ought we to be? In all manner of conversation and godliness. He asks, when he says conversation, he's not talking about what we talk about when we're by the water cooler. The word conversation means manner of life, conduct, behavior, deportment. How should we behave ourselves? How should we live our lives? How should I conduct myself knowing that the judgment of God is impending? What manner of person ought I to be in how I conduct myself with other people? My manner of life, my daily living, my habits, the way I treat others, the way that I conduct myself? What should my behavior be like knowing that the judgment of God is out there? Paul said, seeing, knowing these things and seeing that it's all going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? In conversation, in manner of life. And then he said, also in godliness. The word godliness there means holiness, reverence, respect towards God. Conversation apparently is relating to how we relate with each other. Godliness is how we relate to God. He says understanding that the heavens are going to be melted like wax and the earth is going to be dissolved. Understanding that God's wrath is going to take care of all creation in a moment of time. How should we treat each other in conversation and how should we treat God in our lifestyle? What manner of persons ought we to be? How I live my life towards others and how I live my life towards God should be done understanding that God's judgment is sure. I told you that we live in the age of Jesus as my heavenly boyfriend. 
Modern Christian and charismatic movements have made God such a cuddly character of a divine authority that the world has lost its sense of awe and respect for him. We do whatever we want and he just takes it because he's cuddly Jesus' boyfriend. And we know that he's merciful and kind and gracious, slow to anger, rich in mercy, patient, long-suffering, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And thank God that he is because if not, there's not one of us in here that could be here. We're so quick to point the finger at other people. But if truth be told, God could point the finger at all of us in an instant and we'd be gone. We have no right to judge others because if we do, then God has the right to judge us by the same measure. And so this generation of Christianity has removed the fear of God and the respect for his wrath and judgment. But Peter says we have to understand that in a moment of time, everything's going to melt away. And knowing that, what manner of persons ought we to be? My decisions every day should be guided. Within the back of my mind, I know that God's judgment's going to be poured out on this world. And i got to be careful how I live and how I serve Him. I can't mess around with the world. And I can't mess around with sin. And I can't let stuff get in my heart and my spirit and worldliness and carnality get a hold of me because if I do I stand at risk of the judgment of God and Paul said and Peter said because you know the judgment is coming that's why we need to look at what manner of persons we ought to be he continues y'all alright I don't know how I'm going to turn this Bible study into a sermon but I'm going to do my best to 2 Peter 3 and 12 he continues the same chapter. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He brings it back again. He says it again. He's trying to make sure they understand that you can't just Avoid thinking about the wrath of God and move on like it's not there. He said you got to be looking for it. We're hasting to the coming of the Lord. It seems, Does it seem to you like it does to me that everything's just speeding up? Does it seem like the things in this world are changing faster than they ever have before? I'm telling you what's happening. This world is hasting to the coming of the Lord. We better be looking for it. We better be living like it could happen any moment. Amen. I remember I told you a little bit about camp meeting, I, how, how heathenistic I was for the first four nights most every year. But I remember being throughout the year and laying my head down at night. Because I, in the age I grew up with, that's pretty much when everybody got right was, was camp meeting. You know, we, that, Brother Robbie, that's just what we lived for was camp meeting. And, and so that's the way we did it, Brother Benny. We, but, but I remember being in January and February and thinking, God, please don't come back. Until camp meeting. Especially not till Friday night, Lord. God, please don't come back because I'm not ready. Give me a little more time. But Peter said, you got to be looking for it. You can't say, God, put it off a little bit more for me. 
He said, you got to be looking for and hasting until the coming of the day of God. He said, the heavens being on fire will be dissolved. Can you imagine when you go out on a clear night and you look up in the heavens and see the stars expanding from horizon to horizon everywhere you look and you understand that some of that light that you're seeing has been traveling for thousands and thousands of years so your eyes can, that's the expanse of the universe and all of that is going to be dissolved in a moment. He says in verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Again, he said you got to be looking for it. Be diligent. That you may be found of him in peace. Without spot. And blameless. He appeals for the beloved. The common term for the church and for believers. He appeals to the church to be looking for such things. I remember, I remember as a teenager, not where I needed to be with God. I remember we'd have a church service and conviction would be falling in that service. I would try to do everything I could to get my mind off what the pastor was saying. I would try to focus on other stuff. I, I loved baseball. And I'd try to focus, if it was baseball season, I'd try, to, I'd try to recall statistics and stuff just so I could, could hopefully not hear what the preacher was saying. If it was basketball season, I'd think about my teams that I liked and the players that I liked and their record and uh, who they played last, anything to get my mind off what the preacher was saying. If it was football season, I used to have almost every starting lineup for all the NFL teams memorized in my head and I would stand there while gripping the back of the pew trying my best to, to put out of my mind what the preacher was saying. But just because I didn't think about it didn't mean it wasn't true. He said, listen, beloved, church, believers, seeing that you look for such things, seeing that you're paying attention to the impending coming of the Lord, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. The word diligent means to make effort, to be earnest, to endeavor, to labor, to exert, to be conscientious, to be meticulous, painstaking, careful, thorough, attentive, intent, driven, dedicated, zealous, and tireless. Be diligent. Do everything you can that you may be found of him in peace. God, am I doing everything that I can? So that when you come back, that I'm at peace with you. Am I tirelessly looking at my life? So that I can be found without spot and blameless. I was, I was preaching at a conference in Louisiana last Thursday night. And they served, they served burgers and and they, they, they said, well, you want on your burger. And so I told them what I wanted. Man, they put, Adrian, they put way more of that stuff on it than I wanted. And I, I picked up that burger. They had white tablecloth. And I picked up 
flipped that burger, and when I took a bite, a big dollop of mustard <laughs> fell right out on top of that. Brother Kenny, it went right on that white tablecloth. And I looked at it, and I, man, it looked so bad, Sister Wilson. So I did what every good Christian man would do. I put my napkin over it. <laughs> And I put my drink on top of it. <laughs> so that you couldn't see. But as covered up as I had it, it was still there. And he said, look, I, the reason I keep reminding you about the judgment of God coming is because I need you to be diligent. So that when he comes back, you're at peace with him. Without spot. And blameless. So God, I'm, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to put my suit and tie on so that you can't see that mustard stain. That's on my spirit. And God, when they sing songs, I'm going to wave my hand like everybody else so that, so that nobody can see that mustard stain. And when the preacher says something that everybody else says, they like, I'm going to say amen because I'm got to get my napkin and my cup over that stain so that because if I pretend it's not there maybe but the Bible said you got to be diligent when he comes so you can be found in peace because when he comes he's going to pull that napkin off and he's going to look and see the spot he said church you got to be diligent that you can be found of him in peace without spot and blameless Whatever your issue is with the world, with sin, with the flesh, with carnality, with other people, whatever it might be, is it worth risking the coming judgment of the Lord? He said, he said looking at these things, looking at the impending day of the Lord, looking at these things, let us be diligent. God, whatever I have to give up to be right with you. To be found at peace without spot and blameless. God, whatever I have to do to be at peace without spot and blameless. God, whatever I have to do to make stuff right, God, help me, because I don't want to be lost. The point is clear. What manner of persons ought we to be? time I was taking a flight to an airport was going somewhere overseas to preach and I was sitting at the gate with Larry and I had my airpods in my ear and I was listening to a podcast and I wasn't paying any attention I wasn't looking around at people getting up and getting in line 
Kevin, I was not paying the bit of attention. I was not at all living like I had a flight to take. And for some reason, I took that AirPod out just in time to hear him call my name. This is the final boarding call. Then I ran to that gate. They said, what have you been doing? I said, I was sitting there with my AirPods in. They said, well, you almost missed your flight. I said, but I didn't. <laughs> now I don't get my AirPods out till I'm on the flight. <laughs> Is it possible that we've been in church so long that we don't really take the coming of the Lord as serious as we ought to. That we let things get in our heart, in our spirit, in our mind. We let things get between us and God, us and other people, us and the, the preacher, us and the church, us and this, us and that. To the point that when he comes back, we won't be at peace without spot or blameless. You would think that by now he thought he had made his point. But he circles around again in verse 17 and 18. Ye therefore beloved. Again, when he says beloved, he's not talking to the crack addict out there. He's not talking to the person that doesn't have the He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. He's having a conversation with us. It's a, it's a saint's meeting, if you will. Therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, you know it's going to happen. You know it's coming. You know the scripture. You know the word of God. You've been warned. Beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Be on guard. Because you can be led astray along with the wicked. Wouldn't it be a shame for a lifelong church member to stand in hell by a rapist because you let the enemy lead you astray in some matter? Wouldn't it be terrible for someone that sat on a church view service after service to stand alongside Hitler and Stalin and Saddam in hell, because you let yourself be led astray from your steadfastness. You say, well, preacher, you're getting carried away. No, I'm not. I'm preaching the word of God to you. He said, be on guard, beware, lest you also be led astray with the air of the wicked. You can suffer the same catastrophic end as the sinner that never gave a moment's time to God and fall away from your own steadfastness, your own stability, your own faithfulness, your own consistency. You can't let the devil trick you into relaxing. Do you hear me? You can't let the devil trick you into relaxing. Do you hear me? While I'm preaching this, some of you are concentrating, worried about other stuff, chit-chatting about whatever. But I'm telling you that you got to beware, you got to be careful, because the enemy wants your soul in hell for eternity, and you can't let him trick you into letting it happen. Don't let him lull you in 
to spiritual sleep. Don't let yourself be drawn into error and lose your steadfastness. Can I tell you the truth as I'm moving towards a close tonight? We're in a dangerous position when we let things get between us and God. When we let things get between us and our spouse. We let things get between us and our brothers and sisters. We're in a dangerous position when we should be focused on the coming judgment of the Lord when we get distracted and sidetracked by things that in the end won't matter in eternity. What manner of persons ought we to be? If you have an issue with sin, Repent and get it taken care of. If there's a standard that you're struggling with to live, ask yourself, is that worth the judgment of the Lord? If there's something between you and someone else, ask yourself, is it worth me going to hell over? If there's something in your heart, your spirit, your life, anything, anywhere, ask yourself, is it really worth it? Am I willing to spend eternity in hell for that? What manner of persons ought we to be. Not compared to the wino. Not compared to the drug addict. Not compared to the pornographer. Not compared to the politician. Not compared to the cross-dresser. Not compared to the adulterer or fornicator. But in light of the judgment of God and the wrath of what manner of person should I be? And that is the whole matter. He closes the chapter with this final verse. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't quit growing. Don't quit growing. Look at somebody, tell them, don't quit growing. He tells the beloved, the church, the believer, don't quit growing. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep learning, keep growing, keep going forward. Don't quit reaching for him. Don't let your stop, yourself stop growing in the word and your relationship with God. Don't let your prayer life quit growing. Keep pressing towards him. Keep pushing towards him. Keep reaching for him. Don't stop. Brother Adrian, you said it. You said it. You, that you, you park in places that you shouldn't be. He said, just keep growing. I may not be running a marathon this week, but if I can just grow a little bit, I'm pressing. I like, I, I, I like the old song. I like the old song. I wrote the, I didn't write, the, I, I copied and pasted the words. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining, 
every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up. Come on, I'm rapping it. You can sing it. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Anybody else know the rest of it? I bet you nobody under 50 does. My heart, yes, somebody, somebody's over 50. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Anybody know the next one? I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught a joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale, oh, praise the Lord, we got you back, the utmost height, and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I've found. Boy, I like that phrase. But still I'll pray. Till heaven, I, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I've found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's what manner of persons we ought to be. church were left behind. Seeing that you understand these things about the coming of the judgment of God, what manner of persons ought you to be in all conversation and in godliness? As your eyes are bowed all over this place. Oh God, help us. Oh, God, help us. God, help me to live with my eyes on eternity. Don't let me get sidetracked with little things. Don't let me get sidetracked. Don't let the devil get worldliness in my heart and get me off track. It's not worth being lost for. The things of this world that I pick up, when I get carnal and worldly and cold, God is not worth going to hell for. What manner of persons ought I to be? What manner of person should I be, God? What kind of man should I be to avoid the coming of the wrath of God? Help me, God, to be faithful. Help me to be holy. Help me to be consistent. Help me to be merciful. Help me to be a man of prayer, a man of worship. Help me, God, not to let things get in my spirit that drive me away from you. What manner of person ought I to be, God? Help me to be the kind of person that knows that hell's a 
its way. That judgment's on its way. And I can't afford to let the devil get me off track. I can't afford to get stuff in my life that gets me out of the will of God. I can't afford to let things put to let the devil put worldliness in my heart and a lust for this world and a lust for the things of this world. I can't afford to let the devil get passions in my spirit that are ungodly and unholy. What manner of person should I be? I ought to be faithful and holy, consistent. Oh God, y'all understand the burden I'm feeling right now? You understand the burden I'm feeling tonight? You don't understand that when this life is over, there's no redo. You can't call a mulligan on life. You can't get a do-over. Hasten, hasten towards the coming of the Lord. What manner of person should I be? Are your eyes closed? Are you praying with me? Are you examining yourself? Are you looking for that mustard stain on the tablecloth? Have you covered something up in your heart for a while, thinking that maybe if, it, if I can't see it, it's not there? If I don't look, if I don't look, that lust isn't there. If I don't look, that hatred's not there. If I don't look, that worldliness is not there. If I don't look, that desire for this world won't be there. So I'll cover it up. Paul said, you got, Peter said, you got to be diligent. Why don't you reach over to somebody close to you and pray together? Can you help me pray? You understand the burden I'm under now. You understand what I'm going to be carrying between now and Sunday. I don't know what iteration Sunday morning's message will be, but you know where, where it's going, so I need you to help me pray. Because it's possible somebody will walk out of those doors into eternity. And so God, help us what manner of persons ought we to be. Help me to be the man I need to be, God. Help me to be the husband I need to be. Help me to be the father I need to be. Help me to be the pastor I need to be. Help me, God, to be the person that I need to be. Are you asking God right now, Lord, help me. Help me to be the person that I'm supposed to be tonight. Oh, Jesus, come on. I, I, I need you to get under this burden with me. I'm, not, I'm reaching for somebody that's here right now, but I'm also asking you to carry, help me carry this yoke for a few days. I don't want somebody to walk out of this church and be lost because we're not the manner of person that we're supposed to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Lord, I pray for my church family tonight. I pray that you help us, Lord, to be the manner of persons that we ought to be. Help us, God, to keep the understanding of the coming wrath and judgment in our mind and heart. Help us, God, not to be fooled into thinking it's never going to happen. Help us, God, not to get sidetracked on lesser things and forget that judgment, the earth is going to melt. The universe, the cosmos, is all going to be dissolved with fervent heat. And I want to be diligent that I can be found at peace, without spot, and blameless growing in grace, reaching for higher ground. Pressing on the upward way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven right now. And why don't you just say, God, help me. God, help me to be the man or person that I ought to. a lust problem, take it to Jesus. If you got a worldliness problem, take it to Jesus. If you got a standard problem, take it to Jesus. Whatever your issue may be, it ain't worth going to hell for. What manner of person ought I person that I ought to be. Come on, can you help me pray? Can you pray for yourself, for your family? God, what kind of person should I be? What manner of man ought I to be, God? What kind of dad should I be? It's my job to disciple my children. What manner of father should I be, God? God, what manner of husband should I be? It's my job to help disciple my wife. What kind of friend should I be? What kind of testimony should I be? kind of example should I be? What manner of person ought we to be? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why 
want you to lay your hand on yourself, on your chest or on your head while Brother Ethan's singing this chorus. And why don't you just lay your hand on yourself and say, God, help me. Look, if you've taken up a, if you've broken a standard that you lived by when you were walking in conviction, you need to seriously consider getting that thing out of your life and getting back where you need to be. You hear me? be diligent. You say, well, that, go ahead and sing with Ethan. You say, well, I, 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 I ought to not worry about that. That's, the, that's not that big a deal. Well, you ought to be diligent in everything to be found at peace, blameless, without spot. So I don't feel conviction over it. That's not a God problem. That's not a Bible problem. That's a your heart problem. So God, help my heart to be right. What manner of person ought I to be Pray for yourself. What manner of person should I be, God? Lead me, Lord. I will have called me. Everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Be in prayer for the Let's Talk conference coming up tomorrow night and Friday. God bless you.